Good morning, everyone. We welcome you to our Sunday morning roundtable discussion. And we're so glad you could join us today. We are recording from the Plainfield Christian Science Church Independent, Plainfield, New Jersey, the United States of America. And we welcome you all to our subject today on Christ Jesus. And we'll begin with our morning prayer. I'm reading from page 62 and 63 of Divinity Course and General Collectania. May the divine light of Christian science, which lighted every enlightened thought, illumine my faith and understanding, exclude darkness and doubt, signal the perfect faith wherein to walk, the perfect principle whereby to demonstrate the perfect man and perfect law of God. Prayer for yourself. I am the child of God. His care and love surround me. Animal magnetism cannot reach me to make me afraid or to be afraid. Merely Gary. Thank you. And the watching me today. Watch number 60. Watch lest the fault lose its favor, or that you endeavor either to express humanity without having established the basis or divinity of which the humanity is the outward expression, or try to be absolute without any application to the human need. Science and Health says, quote, the divinity of the Christ was made manifest in the humanity of Jesus, end quote. Divine science is expressed in Christian science. If the humanity or soul comes to occupy first place in your thought, you may drop the divinity and become all salt. If you seek divinity without expressing it in humanity, the salt loses its savor. The effect of divinity applied to, huma to humanity is to give life a flavor as it heals and blesses man. Yet, since the fate of all that is human is ultimate destruction, we must not make the salting of it our goal. We can be grateful for every improvement in the human without making a god out of it. Idolatry is putting effect ahead of cause, seeking health of body, for instance, more than spiritualization of thought or a knowledge of God. One who worships effect put something ahead of God in his procession, and God should always lead, and all else follow, according to Matthew 6, 33, which reads, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Thank you, and thank you for including that quote, because that's one of the most important ones, I think, in the Bible. Okay, thanks yeah. on that. Well, thinking about the absolute, it just reminded me of my youth, you know, hearing I needed to love God more, but that was it, you know, <laughs> just, just uh, as though that was going to help me all on its own, which... Uh, 
it's something that I keep in mind all the time and I'm grateful for what I've learned here, you know, to be able to bridge that gap for people. And then, you know, so I can talk to my daughter and she, she's receptive. So I'm grateful for that. Thank you. Yeah, I'm grateful that I've since coming here, I, I know I've said this before, but it's um, <clears throat> the fact that the healing, whatever uh, form it takes, healing of the body relationship or whatever, we're certainly grateful for them. And, um, you know, we're blessed. But we must not stop there. I, I realized just, just recently a healing that I had that, it's more important is what I've learned about God that I didn't know. And that's what brought the healing. And so that's what is the most important and, and what I'm most grateful for. Thank you. So it's putting God first really in all we do. It's seeking him more than anything. Seeking to understand who he is, what we are as a result more than anything that counts. Yes. Yeah, and, and for good reason, right, Florence? Yes. Because there's nothing else anyway, right? <laughs> no. <laughs> if you try to put something else first, you're putting something illusory and false before what is real. Mm-hmm. You know, and this is where we get into the do-goody business, you know, and it's too human. But I looked up, you know, the word, the word humanity is kind feelings, dispositions of, of kind feelings, dispositions of man, kindness, benevolence, and especially a disposition to relieve persons in distress and treat with tenderness those who are helpless and defenseless. So that's a that's important, but if it's if it's not preceded with what God would have you do, yes, it becomes running around into human do-goody. And then the word divinity, the science of the of divine things, which unfolds the character of God, His laws, and moral government. So the two combining, some ways you can compare that to Christian and science. But they really should accompany each other, shouldn't they? So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, Mrs. Eddy even makes the case, right, that Christianity has to be scientific. Otherwise, it's useless. And science has to be Christian. Otherwise, it's not of God and it's not real. Mm-hmm. So this is our standpoint. Yeah, and, and it was as, as the divinity of Christ was made manifest in the humanity of Jesus. And I, I told myself I wasn't going to mention the chosen again, but um, <laughs> I and, and those who, you know, it's not for everybody. I can understand if you don't care for that kind of thing, but there are things that were meaningful to me and that one of them was that the the kindness, the humanity that Jesus displays in in at all times, right? At all times. Yes. yes. Amazing. It at is. Mm-hmm. 
his expressions. I mean, even even toward the the Pharisees and any anyone, you know, it was never mean spirited. You could see it in his eyes, and um, it's, it's something very important to emulate that. And that yet he had that divinity where he could go out and just came pouring forth from him, God, his oneness with God, that he could heal wherever he went, and he did. But you will notice, too, he did not heal everybody. You could see the authority and strength that he had when he would go be interviewed by, like, um, the Roman uh, overseer. But there was still a, there was like a tenderness, but a strength. And you could, uh, I love the way this character is managed to show that he's not full around yes. coming after air, but he also, but it was a whole different sense of peace and poise and just grateful for. That's it. He was unruffled, poised, yeah. looked up mm -hmm. and, and yet answer well always answer well, always answer truthfully, but never to be thrown off. And these, this lesson this week, in Christ Jesus, this is what we're going to talk about today, what, what he was like, his characteristics, and how we can work to be more that way, because that's taking up the cross and following him. So, all right, um, Lily and the... I, Jesus, am the root of the offspring of David and the bright and morning star. Yes, I am the root and the offspring of David. The bright and morning star. Um, Carrie sent a most beautiful article on, on the star that I would like in the Liberator and also on the carousel. It's called The Stars of the Firmament by an Amy Ferris. From a 1923 Sentinel. And I'll just read parts of it. The whole thing is so beautiful. And I, I know most of you can remember or think about, I, I know for myself as a child looking up at the sky, looking up at the stars, and feeling the vastness and the beauty of it. And how the stars would just brighten the black sky. Um, now, especially on the East Coast with all the what the light pollution. pollution yes light pollution it's much harder to see but those of you who can or when you go away somewhere can see that the beauty of the night's the night's stars this is an excerpt that the business of a star is to shine so far as the unaided human vision is concerned we should have no evidence of the existence of either planet or star except for the light it emits. To a certain extent, our own lives show forth our existence by the light we reflect or the shadow which our presence casts. We may converse with a hundred people during the day, but it is not their so-called physical selves, their outward appearance, which usually remains in our thought. It is their light their brightness, alertness, joyousness, or, or else, as the case may be, their gloom, moroseness, depression. Jesus bade us, let your light shine before men that they may see your good works 
and glorify your Father which is in heaven. And then in Revelation, he that overcometh is promised the morning star. What is this star except Christian science? It is the star God has given us through our leader's faithful inspiration, like the lone brave star of which he speaks in Christ Jesus. And I love this. It's little verses, Christ, excuse me, Christ and Christmas. Fast circling on from zone to zone, bright blessed afar, o'er the grim night of chaos shone, one lone brave star. So what are you? Are you that star? Are you the reflecting light that's going to brighten every place you go? And do you keep it tended so it does shine? Most important that we do this. And, and Christ Jesus was that bright and morning star because he did that always, didn't he? Okay. Yes. So we must as well. It goes on. The whole article is just beautiful. It brings out so many beautiful points about stars. And another one she sent too brings out the thing that would block the shining is selfishness. Thinking about yourself. And that blocks the light so that you become a shrivel up old prune. Mm-hmm. I was just thinking about the light. The light they say the light that you see from a star any given night is you know started thousands of years ago. Yes. And just in the same way that the you know, reading the Bible, it was, all that stuff was thousands of years ago, but it's light is on today. So. Isn't that beautiful? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh-oh. Is that a meow? <laughs> and, and the light you shine, you know, it goes down through the ages is that beautiful little poem we've had in the Liberator and Healing Thoughts. Goes down through the ages, the lights that you shine. Maybe someone... Sh- shined on you and then you bless another and then another blesses another and it goes down through the ages to bless planting seeds yeah wherever wherever it is so go ahead the uh well i was struck i think the first time i've kind of really realized this that the golden text Jesus is is saying he he's two things. He's the root of David and the offspring of David. I'm curious what does anybody think those two things mean? What is the root of David? Well, he's the Christ and Jesus. Yeah, he's the divinity, the divine source of David. And then humanly, he's, you know, he's of the house of David. He's the offspring of David. So he's telling people that he, he is both the Christ and Jesus. And of course, some religions have uh, 
use that as an excuse to say, well, he's different from the rest of us, and so we can't ever be like him. And yet, it took Mary Baker Eddy to discover the science of Christianity, which shows that we all have a divine source. Maybe a little different from Jesus, but nevertheless, the same divine source. Thank you. Um, also in that article about stars, it writes, um, we in turn must keep our light burning. We must shine in our setting as brightly and as individually brilliantly as the stars in the heavens shine. No allurement of mortal experience must make us lose sight of our business of shining. Even though around us is the swirl of discord and discontent that would seek to sweep us into a dark course if we fail to guard our trust. The clamor of self seems to rise with dangerous persistency. Ye shall be as gods, claims to be the promise of the hour. Much criticism of Christian science has been silenced as the world has come to recognize the peace which it is marked, which is a marked characteristic of Christian scientists. And that peace humanity sorely needs. During times of seeming danger and so-called epidemic, the calm demeanor of Christian scientists has caused many to be attracted to this religion. Is it not letting our light shine to stand forth amid a panic of fear, fearless, to carry about in our manner, our faces, and our conversation, the serene assurance that all is well? The calm of such a one radiates in the dark spots of the earth and brings quiet, and the quiet of spiritual understanding banishes fear. To me, this is a definition of what, what we all should be doing right now. There's this thing that seems to be going on, nameless nothing and whatever else. It just goes on and on and on and on. And so this is what we must, as the Christ was during the Roman Empire. And, and what's behind it is the understanding, not a fake phony smile that doesn't understand the science, but the understanding of it. And that is why you must be studying your books and listening um, and to the audios and just letting it, the truth, become you, especially Mrs. Eddy's writings. Now, we put on the carousel. I think it'll eventually have its own tab, but this Mary Baker Eddy section, as Jasmine pointed out, we, we needed it something like that to counteract all the negativity that's out there on the internet about her. And Florence spoke to that Wednesday night. Would you like to say anything more? Well, I think it, it's important that people get the right, uh, the right concepts that she taught, you know, because there's so much going on, which portrays her wrongly. And it's our, it's our duty, really, to 
uh, let her be seen the way she really was and the message for the world that she gave, I think is so important. I think what's on there right now, um, if somebody can go there and just click to it and see what she wrote, and it moves you. I really think so. So uh, I think it's something that has been missing. I don't know how for so long that we didn't even think about it, but somehow what we have to do will come. So it came through a uh, regular, regular visitor, and uh, I'm grateful for that. Yes. Yes, I am too. And um, Jeremy's worked quite a bit on putting that up there all it entails, all these things, people think all of this just happens. There's a huge amount of work that goes on behind the scenes here. Uh, what, what you see is an end product, but the work behind the scenes is a huge amount. Some of you are helping us with it, and we are very grateful. Um, I actually got, I got an email recently, someone asking about why we don't put all of Gary's readings of science and health <laughs> Online, and I wrote back, you know, you know, as soon as he's done recording, we make the video and put it up. <laughs> but it just didn't happen so. <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah, that's that's it. They don't seem to understand some things are in. That 15 minutes could take hours. Right. Listen to. And we are, what a we're process and work. We're, we're working work on a process. lot of things yeah. at work. That's what the word, work in process, yes. Um, so I think we can all maybe pray also that it, we, it's done and we are able to do it in such a way that the, um, the website really becomes the reading room where people can go and find whatever they want easily. And I, I feel that should come through prayer. That's exactly right, Florence. And that, that's, that is yes. our reading room. It is our reading room open 24-7. And... Lawrence Roberts' readings of Science and Health are online in full. And we are doing, in some cases, a male and female version of things at, at people's request. And that's time-consuming. So, and we're not doing it for everything. Some things. Some people are volunteering to record things. So, uh we have goodness knows how many recordings do we have? Thousands, right? Thousands. Probably like six thousand. Wow. Okay, so we're not lacking for recordings, <laughs> no, my <we're> friend. <laughs> so, um, yes, and also I'm very grateful because when this time came to put Mary Baker Eddy up the way it is, Thomas and other of you have gotten her beautiful list of the best biographies about her so it was ready to put in place right yes. beautiful everything ready to put in place it was the answer came before the call i mean it was there so thank you thomas had that strong i don't know if he's here today but he had a strong and tell him linda if he's not he had a strong impulsion to do this and it was Barry, again, and it was, this is a, a wonderful ideas from those of you outside who help with great ideas. Um, and, and we can always tell a good idea. We can always also tell a bad idea. <laughs> so, right? okay. Yeah, definitely grateful for it. Mm -hmm. that biography list. Kari 
from Arkansas just recently finished typing um, The Life of Mary Baker Eddy by Sybil Wilbur. So that's kind of half on there. I still have to put the pictures on. Um, but I know, you know, Louise from Missouri, she's working on the, what's his name, Hugh Stuttered Kennedy's Mrs. Eddy book. So as we can, we'll get as much of that as possible. Anything that's not under copyright. And if it's under copyright, we'll get it ready. And when it's off, we'll put it on. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. And if any of you have any suggestions, we were trying to find the most beautiful and meaningful quotes. Um, to have some pictures. Anything you think that would be appropriate to send us, you know, our consideration, we would love for you to do that. So... And also, while I'm at this, I don't know if I've mentioned this before, but the yes, the Liberator will be coming out in September. Hopefully, we'll have it done sooner than later. And the theme is weather. And we thank those of you who have sent wonderful articles on the weather. And dear Carol, does the lion's share of that? So, <clears throat> all right. So remember, the bright and morning star, and we must as followers of the Christ, these stars radiate, not absorb. And I thought it was, um, oh, well, yeah, before I get into that, uh, Gary, I'll have you read the responsive reading. Thank you. Revelation. <clears throat> and I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. And he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. And he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses clothed in fine linen, white and clean. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron. And he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings, and Lord of Lords. I just think that's the most beautiful thing. I just love it. Now, what kind of description of Christ is that? Certainly not a weak one. Thank you. <laughs> Certainly not a weak one. It, it is beautiful in its strength and majesty and power oh my gosh you get such a sense of of dominion and this again this is what we must express too yes the love of christ the kindness the benevolence the humanity as we talked about earlier but this strength and if you're really getting yourself out of the way it will come forth with great strength. And there is in this lesson about rebukes. And Jeremy, what did you write in the forum? 
Oh, I just was really struck by, um, you know, when, when reading about with the breath of his lips, he shall slay the liquid, the wicked. I started thinking about how, how I've learned here, the difference between personal and impersonal, you know, and I would have seen everything as personal before. So it would have always been pe actual people getting slayed, you know, and all that. But coming here and understanding that it's impersonal, then it becomes those false beliefs and, you know, all the things that we're happy to get rid of so that we can be our, our actual self that God made. So. Thank you very much. And that is, how, that is how you can rebuke with the power and the authority of Christ. You know you're not hitting any person or slaying people. It's the error. And my God, you're going to do that. Oh, it's just so wonderful. And I never saw it anywhere until I came here and saw it with Mrs. Evans. Every other thing was just meek and mild and guns. There's no, not that strength and that power and that dominion. And a, don't tread on me and the hell you say. Okay. <laughs> you got to have it. Go ahead. <laughs> Mary. You slay the wicked. What is the wicked? The wicked is all evil. Whatever is evil. And what does Mrs. Eddy say about evil? It is neither what? Person, place, person, place, or thing. It is neither person, place, nor thing. So when he slayed the wicked, as Jeremy said, he was not slaying a person. He was slaying the evil. And he did it out of love for the person that was mesmerized by it and was being used by it. And that is how we heal when we slay the wicked out of those that we love. When we were in trial, when Boston was suing us and taking us to court, <laughs> Reg Carey said, that's okay. When you go into the trial, just love the hell out of them. Sort of the same thing as slaying the wicked. Out of love, of course. And this is Christian science. And without it, you're not practicing Christian science. You're not. You are not. And you will know it because I knew it. I knew it. I knew I wasn't. I knew I didn't have that power and strength and dominion. I knew I was a weak little mealy mouth, even though I was trying to spout the words. Deep inside, I was, yeah, shaking and quaking. You know it. But when you <clears throat> shed some blood, sweat, and tears, you get where you can rebuke it, and you will. You can't help it. And it's not anything fake. Um, the lesson says, one of Gary's favorites, too, he... Jesus rebukes sinners pointedly and unflinchingly. Why? Because he loved them. Because he was their friend. He was their friend. He was their friend. And we should be the same friend to everyone around us. So it's it's been a missing element. In, in the organization or with many, and I think that's partly why it's 
and going down the drains the way it has. You must have this. This is part of the Christ, a, a light, a star. It's always reflected light. We're not God, but we reflect him. And then the strength. And, and that only comes when you begin to understand the, the science and why you can do this, that you ha do have the authority, because it truly is nothing presenting itself as something. And then I thought, um, go ahead, Florence. No, there's something I read in the, the blue book, and I was going to read it, but I, I changed it. Anyway, it says, we are called to lay ourselves daily, hourly, upon the altar of self-sacrifice, of utter dependence upon God, glorifying or glorying in each awful trial, rejoicing in each drought from that cup which fits us to become participants with Jesus of his martyrdom and victory. This power is given us in the same extent as we entertain the sense of the spirit which enriched him, and we come into the fullness of demonstration as we have the same mind which was in Christ Jesus. I thought that was hmm, the same strength, right? The same power. Same power, yeah. same strength. Mm -hmm. You know, I love that thought. They've said, well, the same power that, that raised Jesus from the dead is with us here now. That same power is here. We just have to tap into it. Where was that from, Florence? Uh, 143 of Divinity Course and General Collectania. Thank you. Florence, Florence's favorite book. That's why I also made the name sometimes. Yes. And, you know, Jacob did a good quote, too, from, uh, I guess it was Miscellaneous Writings, about self-renunciation. And that is certainly needed to what give up give up self. We have to be willing to give it up and let God shine through us. It's another characteristic of the Christ. He was always. Um, and that doesn't mean take a derogatory attitude towards yourself. It just means give up the belief that you have a selfhood other than God. Like what Mrs. Eddie says about Christ Jesus and retrospection and introspection, that he had holy humility, unworldliness, and self-abandonment. So Beautiful. Thank you. Mm -hmm. We'll put that on the carousel. That Mary Baker Eddie. Okay. It's a beautiful description. Yeah, and Jacob from Miscellaneous Writings 185, self-renunciation of all that constitutes a so-called material man and the acknowledgement and achievement of his spiritual identity as the child of God is science that opens the very floodgates of heaven, whence good flows into every avenue of being, cleansing mortals of all uncleanness, destroying all suffering, and demonstrating the true image and likeness. There is no other way under heaven where we, whereby we can be saved and man clothed with might, majesty, and immortality. So you have some little thing somewhere in you. <laughs> well, here, let it, let the floodgates of heaven flow. But it requires that self-renunciation. And and Patricia 
quotes Mrs. Eddy, too, saying in miscellaneous writings, page 162, to carry out his holy purpose, he must be oblivious of human self. That's true, to carry out our human destiny purpose, he must be oblivious to self. If you think about yourself and what other people are thinking of you or how you're going to be received or whatever, what will happen? Yeah, it's going to shut you up. And that's what it wants to do. All the greatest things that have ever been done, ever, have been through this, forgetting self and toiling for mankind. Mrs. Eddy says that, too. That's not a direct quote, but I know she says that. All that she's done. Self-renunciation. Um, unremitting toil. Unremitting toil. Thank you. And uh, Linda in North Carolina, she mentioned, thought it was very interesting, and Craig is with us here today, from last week's forum, the simple, she was saying how much the roundtable meant to her, but she mentioned the forum, one simple sentence, it's not safe to be vain. <laughs> you want to speak on that, Craig? <laughs> oh. It's... I seems like uh, the Old Testament, particularly, uh, it shows uh, so many times the the trouble that so many kings and so many, I guess, people in charge got into, just because they they uh, you know, they thought they were just the greatest and and um, they were doing everything most for themselves, but they thought they were still accomplishing it, and and in, in every case. You know, God, his powering voice, woke them up. And Nebuchadnezzar, he was a pagan god. And even there, at one point, I used to think that, well, he's pagan, so he would never hear God. But God doesn't think that way. Everybody <laughs> hears him. And, 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 he, and he, Daniel, he turned the whole darn thing around, you know? It was incredible. Just that anybody anywhere is in God's vision, and they can, you know, make everything right. Because that's what he did first place. So, so anyway, when they're vain, they, they block themselves and they wind up getting a big slap. <laughs> Years ago at a round table, like if you look at yourself in the mirror and say, I'm the man, then you know you have trouble. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, goodness. Yep. This, um, I looked up that word vanity. It's emptiness, want of substance to satisfy desire. Doesn't Mrs. Eddy say that all happiness and everything is found in soul and, and substance, not in this uncertainty, fruitless desire or endeavor? It's all, it's all this vanity and vexation of spirit that turns people to drugs and unhappiness and they can start out pursuing it with all, oh my gosh, do they pursue it. But then, where does it lead? This has nothing to do with the Christ. And nothing to do with the Christ. Because what did the Christ say? And Karen, you wrote about it. So that's a big hint. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my, 
Um, yes, well, um, I was watching The Chosen <laughs> yesterday, and I, I just love that. Um, but anyway, I was watching the part about the wedding feast, and every time I watch it, and I'm sure you get the same thing, Mary, or anybody who watches it, like something different stands out each time. And in the case yesterday, what stood out to me were his words to um, uh, Thomas, who was the one who brought the wine to the feast, and it ran out. And so the words that Jesus said to him stood out to me yesterday because that it was in the because we're in the lesson. Um, but I said, this is the account of Jesus' first, first miracle. In the episode, Jesus says to Thomas, just before he was about to perform the miracle of changing water into wine, to join him, and Jesus would show him a different way of seeing time. Given the fact that wine needs a lot of time to become wine, its instantaneous appearance, and not only that, but the very best wine, seemed a miracle. So Jesus right away illustrates that time is not measured by minutes and seconds and days. The truth is instantaneous when clearly seen. And of course, all of Christ Jesus' healings were instantaneous. He also showed by this miracle, so-called miracle, that matter and its so-called properties of substance is not substance at all and has no authority before the Christ, truth. So what Christ Jesus was proving by his so-called miracles was that they were not miracles only to be expected by Jesus or else why ask others to follow him and be taught by him? He was expecting them to learn from him and do the same. Then I gave two quotes from the lesson. His mission was to reveal the science of celestial being, to prove what God is and what he does for man. And then the other one, his purpose in healing was to demonstrate his divine principle. And I, uh, and I was thought last, as I was looking at this last night, late last night, I added to it, is our mission any different? And even time couldn't stand in the way, or the false sense of time couldn't stand in the way of his message. Every time I demonstrate truth's authority, over any lie about its omnipresence or omnipotence, I am proving the science of the Christ. Thank you. Yep. Yes, so to give up the, the vanity of it all and vexation of spirit, you need to join him, right? Follow him. Follow him. Before we go to that, I just, uh, Jasmine wrote, about vanity, to think and speak of the horrible things of the world is only a pa passing of time. Chasing after the good things of life, likewise, is only the passing of time. And as, as Karen said, time is just a mortal illusion itself. That's why Jesus could do those instantaneous healings. He didn't believe in time. And she also says that vanity is a great hypnotic trance. So you need to have that willingness to leave all and follow him. Now again, because <laughs> I'm the chosen, how many times did you see him piercingly 
in the eyes of someone saying, and searchingly, follow me. What did you say about when he said that to Matthew, Florence? Oh, it, you mean the scene? Yes. It's just such an expression on his face. Uh, I, I, I Honestly, it, it has to be God-given. I mean, if anybody has watched it, you, you, there's a, there's a set, his eyes and the way he looks at Matthew and the reaction from Matthew is just, I don't know, it gives me chills even now talking about it. I, I don't know how else to express it, but it's, it's something, something that is, words cannot explain. Yeah, he, he saw something in Matthew. Yeah. And, and just like remember when he chose Simon, and um, and Simon kept saying, I, I don't know why, I'm a sinful man. And his his wife tells him <laughs> that she saw that in him. And she knew he was more than a fisherman. Someone finally yeah. knew what I've always said. Yes. Yeah. With each, each one he picked, he saw something in them. The guilelessness is in the case of... Which one was that, Nathaniel? Nathaniel, yeah. Yeah, he saw. Now, he saw it in Nicodemus, didn't he? Yeah. And what there? So, uh, understanding, too, of Nicodemus, because he did say, you know, I know, I know that this is true and, and all that. Yes. The compassion always, always um, beautiful. Yes. Well, Nicodemus eventually converted. He became a disciple. He did, according yeah. to mm-hmm. and, and in that scene... And he was disowned by the administration. Yeah, the Sahedrin. <laughs> when he did, and he ended up living a life of poverty, humility, uh, humanly, but spiritually, he was greatly blessed. Mm-hmm. And you can see it. So he portrays it. You can see his agony, Nicodemus, when they're all going, and and Jesus is looking for his friend. He's kind of behind the corner. Nicodemus is. They're ready to go go out and start the ministry, and he Nicodemus leaves a little money behind, or more than a little, but he he couldn't go. And and you see it in the face of his wife too, because she did not want him to go. We, I love my life, Nikki. I love it here. I, 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 I want to get out of Capernaum. I want to go see my grandson. I want my life. My life. Yes, and how torn it was. Torn to anguish. I, I just, I'm some of those scenes were just, they portrayed it, though, even though, you know, I don't, I don't know if all those things happen just that way, but I can believe it was perhaps very similar to that way. Um, so what does it mean? I mean, that, that shows what does it mean to follow me, to follow him? What does that mean to you? One thing it go ahead. You have to give up the human way of life and family that you think is normal. 
because that's not the way the spiritual is. That's very true. The human way of of thinking of your family and home life. Um, It talks about in the lesson, like our master, we must depart from the material sense into the spiritual sense of being. We talk about the change of base. And you must be willing. Shardell? Well, I think in here it says, this is a this is a demand. This is not something that maybe you'll do tomorrow. It says it right in here. I love it. It's uh, citation 10. Our Heavenly Father, Divine Love, demands that all men should follow the example of our Master. Thank you, Shardell. Now you can wiggle out of it and suffer for it. And 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 just sit back and enjoy that Adam dream. Isn't that a lot of fun? <laughs> even if you think the first few steps are fun, or the first few months, or maybe even the first few years, you will find it is vanity and vexation of spirit. And that definition of vanity, emptiness, no purpose, everything caving in on you. So follow me. Thank you. It's a demand. There are a lot of demands. There are demands. Maybe you should list them all and see how many you're willing to do. <laughs> and to, and to, to follow means to move, doesn't it? It doesn't mean to sit still. Action. Yeah, you can't follow them just by sitting sitting around. Yeah, and just praying. It means it's inactive. And it means to be willing to leave behind everything that is unlike God, that is unlike the Christ. And it doesn't mean you have to be willing to, to, to give up anything good. Just be willing to give up the stuff that is going to hold you back that really isn't good. Yeah, and, and it'll become very apparent. Craig, what did you want to say? That uh, I realized first he gave up his whole sense of human of human parentage and he embraced all people as his I guess is his responsibility I think he was speaking to all people and we need, we need to be careful and to just no limit ourselves but to let our love rest on all people every and all things and that and that's a <clears throat> And then listen to what God has to direct us to do. Because it's so easy for us to say, oh, that's not my problem, and go about our business. But it is something we have to heal. That's the humanity that we spoke about, caring of others. Thank you. And Karen, do you want to? Well, it was on, on Citation 3, what stood out to me was godliness, the godliness which animated mm. him. And I looked up the word godliness, and it says a careful observance of the laws of God proceeding from the love and reverence for the divine character and commands, Christian obedience. So there's a demand, you know, the godliness, what is animating me? Someone is talking who's Paul. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. All these things. So, so do think about it. And we have, Something beautiful to end on from miscellaneous writings. This is from uh, page 162, miscellaneous writings. 
There was no incorporeal Jesus of Nazareth. The spiritual man, or Christ, was after the similitude of the Father, without corporeality or finite mind. Materiality, worldliness, human pride, or self-will, by demoralizing his motives and Christliness, would have dethroned his power as the Christ. To carry out his holy purpose, he must be oblivious of human self. Of the lineage of David, like him he went forth, simple as the shepherd boy, to disarm the Goliath. Panoplied in the strength of an exalted hope, faith, and understanding, he sought to conquer the three-in-one of error, the world, the flesh, and the devil. Three years he went about doing good. He had for 30 years been preparing to heal and teach divinely. But his three years mission was a marvel of glory. Its chaplet, a grave to mortal sense dishonored, from which sprang a sublime and everlasting victory. He who dated time, the Christian era, and spanned eternity was the meekest man on earth. He healed and taught by the wayside in humble homes. To errant hypocrite and to told disciples, he explained the word of God, which has since ripened into interpretation through science. His words were articulated in the language of a declining race and committed to the providence of God. In no one thing seemed he less human and more divine than in his unfaltering faith in the immortality of truth. Referring to this, he said, Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. And they have not. They still live and are the basis of divine liberty, the medium of mind, the hope of the race. Only three years of personal Savior, yet the foundations he laid are as eternal as truth the chief cornerstone. After his brief, brave struggle and the crucifixion of the corporeal man, the incorporeal savior, the Christ, our spiritual idea which leadeth into all truth, must needs come in Christian science, demonstrating the spiritual healing of body and mind. This idea or divine essence was and is forever about the Father's business, heralding the principle of health, holiness, and immortality. Mary Baker Eddy. And thank you, Patricia from New York. She's the one who directed me to that page from a forum contribution. So, and thank you all so much for joining us today. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.